sometimes you pull into a flat parking lot and there's ice under the snow and it doesn't matter. You got 7,000 pounds behind you. You're just going to slide. Welcome to the Million Dollar Landscaper Podcast. We're your hosts, Scott and Katie Mulchan, and we make it easy to start working on, not just in your landscaping business. We're a real couple that helped grow our family business to well over a million dollars in revenue. And now we help other landscaping business owners just like you to do the same. Are you ready to build your business? Let's get started. All right, everyone. Welcome back to this week's podcast. This week, we have a very special guest. He's Derek Tausig of Tausig Landscaping. He's actually a member of our Million Dollar Academy, and he's here today to actually talk about something different, actually something we haven't really talked about on this podcast, and it's snow plowing. So Derek, thank you for being here and taking the time to be here today. Yep. Thanks for having me, Scott. Yeah. So we're super excited to talk to you about some snow plowing and, and snow removal, because I know you've actually said some of the some of the other academy members and some other people in the Facebook group have kind of reached out to you and asking about snow plowing. So you thought this would be a good idea. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's a great thing to capitalize in uh, the winter months. It's pretty good net profit. It's kind of fun for a little while. <laughs> the first 10 or 12 hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. After that, it kind of gets uh, gets on you after a while and things start breaking down. But yep. no, it is very profitable. Uh, I do love it. I love just the kind of the excitement getting out there and beating the storm and doing what you can. It's It's always a little fun. Yep, absolutely. A little nerve-wracking. <laughs> it can be high stress, especially if you have some uh, important contracts. It could be a high stress, but I like a little stress in my life anyway. I think I think we all do as far as landscapers. We kind of bring it upon ourselves too. So, <laughs> yeah. So what are some of the things that you kind of suggest for somebody that's kind of getting started in snow plowing? What are some of the things that they should consider and uh, look out for? And um, what, One important thing, you know, starting out would be equipment. I really would never advise anybody to buy used snowplow already set up. It's all right to buy a used truck. And then if you're going to buy a used plow, if it's a commercial plow, that's okay. But if you're buying a whole setup snowplow truck combo, somebody else has ragged it out pretty hard. I started out and my very first plow truck, I thought I got an amazing deal. You know, I had 40,000 miles on it and had a plow and a salter and it was ready to go. Sweet worst truck I ever bought. Uh, Brake lines are all rusted. Every time you touch anything, everything breaks. You know, mileage is irrelevant when you're talking about snowplow equipment. Transmissions get tore up. Yeah, absolutely destroyed. I I don't mind buying a used snowplow and then you could buy a brand new wire harness and brand new controller to go on it. You know, as long as it's a high quality plow. Mm -hmm. Um, I use straight plows when I first started and I bought them used anywhere from 500 to a thousand dollars. And then I bought a new mount for it and a new wire harness for it. And I had really good luck with them because they were just high quality commercial plows. Mm-hmm. And that was the way I set mine up. Mm-hmm. After that Ford I had bought, my first truck was a 92 K2500. And then I put a $500 plow that I'd bought off Craigslist on it and a push spreader. And I went out and I made four or five thousand dollars in one snow event, and you know I only had two thousand dollars in the whole truck and plow setup. So yeah, like you said, there's definitely good money into it. Would you suggest when somebody's looking for snow plowing, especially they're start getting you know commercial stuff, not really getting a half ton, kind of stepping up to like a three quarter ton, or do you think half tons sufficient? Trucks are hard right now. Trucks are hard to buy, mm-hmm. and so it is pretty tough. So I can get that, but I would only do a three quarter ton or bigger. Trucks aren't built on the front end for weight. Mm-hmm. They just aren't. If you can, do a three-quarter ton. And uh, I use Timberin bump stops in the front. They're, you know, I think $150, $200. Uh, 
And they really, when you lift that plow really fast, it just keeps your suspension from slamming. So that's a quick, easy add. And then I usually put overload shocks on the front or something too. But yeah, try to stick with three quarter tons if you can. The old, uh, you know, 90s square body Chevys are pretty beastly good plow trucks if you're starting out small. Trucks are just expensive right now. So I know that's tough. (laughs) I did use a half ton, uh, like a 99Z71. They have pretty good suspension on them. But like I did a transmission on it and a motor on it in the first winter. And so if I would have spent an extra $1,000, I wouldn't have been changing an engine in my driveway the night before snowstorm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's never fun. Yeah. Never fun. Yeah, no, equipment equipment is so important in, in snow plowing, obviously, because it's one of the thing, main things you're using. And, and getting something reliable is huge. Uh, my first truck, my dad actually bought it at an auction. I think it was Nipsco Auction. It's an electric company around us. And it's a it was a stick shift. And it had the old cable snow plow controls in there, the pump that sat behind the seat. Uh, that was such a pain, like yep. cables freezing up. And, and uh, was, I, I, I had a cable plow. Yeah. On uh, one of my first ones was a cable plow. Don't buy a used cable plow. (laughs) (laughs) Just don't. (laughs) No, the new ones are way, way more reliable and so much easier. Yep. So what are you running right now for snowplow? I use all Western whiteouts. They're golden for me. Uh, I've got one that I bought six years ago. Uh, It's been flawless. Mm-hmm. just flawless and so now i've got three wide outs and one wide out xl and the xl is like an 11 foot wide out and that's what i prefer yeah, and yeah. i use all snowy x salters so. yeah, i prefer that over the wide outs so for those who are listening if you're not sure of a wide out wide out kind of has wings that will slide out and you can turn them and adjust them to keep the snow in do you prefer that over a uh like v plow yeah, I have a I have a V plow also. The whiteout's just so much more flexible. V plows are great if you're pushing roads mm-hmm. and you're not trying to go around a corner and push snow around a corner. The whiteout you can capture more snow when you go around corners and turn. Mm-hmm. The V plow can get smaller, but the whiteouts you can. I think I can make my whiteout eight feet or ten feet, and so I can get into these small little apartment complex areas. And the other advantage to the whiteout of the V plow is they're lighter. V-plows are heavier. There's more meat on the front of your truck. I think if I had wings on my V-plow, I would like it better. Anybody that runs a whiteout, you won't like it <laughs> because the controls are like opposite. And so you just feel so limited when you use a V. If you've never used a whiteout, you probably would like a V better than I would. But for me, I'm not a V-plow guy. I'm going to sell mine yeah. and get a whiteout as soon as I can. I love them too. We had I'm not sure if it was a blizzard that first came out with them because that's what we had for a while the blizzards and now we have yep. the western yeah I, I, whiteouts i think general dynamics bought out yeah. blizzard and then they also make snow ex is also mm-hmm. owned by general dynamics and they make their version of the whiteout also and i think yeah. it's the same exact plow just a different color i enjoy those i feel like i could plow circles around anybody with a straight blade or a v plow <laughs> i've used them all and my times are less with my whiteout than any other equipment I've ever used. Mm-hmm. And so I've got parking lots I've plowed for 10 years. And this IHOP, which I've taken care of for like 10 years now, and I've plowed it with every piece of equipment I've ever had. And I've got it down to like 20 minutes where it used to take me an hour and a half with a straight blade. Mm-hmm. I have a better truck now and I'm also better at it, but the whiteout is definitely the most efficient plow for me. Yeah. Compared to a straight blade, it's like $2,000 more. And so for me, it's it pays itself off in one winter in the efficiency that it adds. Absolutely. So what kind of accounts do you normally do? Do you do residential, commercial, a little mix? We do it all. 
My service will probably be close to 300 sites. Some of those sites are a 20-foot sidewalk, and some of those sites are six acres of concrete. And so I do HOAs, businesses, hospitals, a little mix of everything. Probably 200 of them are residentials. We take care of several property management companies. And so we've got one client that has 50 residential stops. And so in our town, it is required that you remove the snow off of any public sidewalk within 24 hours. And so that's what makes our property management gig an easy sell because one, they don't like being in the paper for code violations. And two, they want to get rid of the liability for the renters. And so that's been my really good, that was how I started big in the residential snow removal was property management companies. Mm-hmm. I love those little Toro 721 power clears, rubber paddle snowblowers. They're really light. They're, they're really fast. Um, for small driveways, those things are great. I've got about 12 of them now, I think. So, you know, you mentioned uh, skid stirs. Do you have pushers on them? Do you have straight blades on them? Or I no longer use skid loaders for snow. If I had a site close to my office that was a big, more than three or four acres, I would maybe use it again. But it's always been a liability unless you're just going to leave it on one site. For me, I've had one accident while pulling a skid loader around in a snowstorm. And every winter that one of my employees did, we had at least one accident. Sometimes you pull into a flat parking lot and there's ice under the snow and it doesn't matter. You got 7,000 pounds behind you. You're just going to slide. Yep. <laughs> so for, for me, it's safer. And uh, I only had one skid loader for a few years. And so I, I just wanted to keep my skid loader here so I could load pallets ice melt. Yeah. And, and so that for me, I, I retired mine. I sold all my pushers for my snowplow. I just feel like the whiteouts are more efficient anyways. Yeah. So let's take the liability out and do it that way. Yeah, we still have a couple. We have uh, three skidsters. We have pushers on, then we have uh, two payloaders as well. One mini payloader, one full size. We like those with the pushers on there because we have like some big like Sam's Club parking lots. Yep. Those make it easy, quick and easy. 14 foot pusher on there is so much faster. <laughs> yeah. So I was, uh, I was hoping to get the Menards. They're just like two miles down the road for me. And uh, I was going to drop my skid loader there and put a pusher on it. And so I could plow that. And then my ice melt guy could plow that and then get into salter and then go salt. And so that was kind of my plan, but I didn't get the contract. So I'm not going to do it. So what else do you run as far? Do you have salters and everything else? What kind of salters? Yeah, so I actually only use uh, bagged ice melt. I have it set up in a way that I always make money with ice melt regardless but i don't have room for bins just for ice melt and then a way to keep it dry and then taking up space in my yard so next year i'll probably once i get moved to my new shop i will switch to big salters and bulk ice melt but when i first started it using bagged ice melt was very simple um i knew i i could measure the square footage you know this property needs four bags of ice melt 200 pounds you put your four bags in the salter you spread it you know, you used the right amount, you know, you made money, you didn't overuse and you go to the next one. I could put 75 bags in the back of a one ton truck and do a ton of properties. So if you're big enough, I would say go to bulk ice melt Mm -hmm. for sure. There's better margins on it. You don't have a whole bunch of trash and you're not blowing trash out of the back of the truck. 
but when you're first starting out, it's pretty easy to to know what you're doing, not overuse your salt and make money by using bags. Yeah, that's so. one of the hardest things we have because we do bulk salt and uh, is trying to teach somebody tell how much salt they've actually used at a time. I've tried actually going out, timing the salt sprayer. I'd fill it up, know how many tons I put on there, time it, and then say, okay, so we spread whatever, 200 pounds a minute or whatever it is. And okay, you're there for seven minutes, multiply it out. I've tried that. It's always hard. That's the hardest thing I've found. Yep. I, I've asked other guys because I've spread ice melt for 20 years. And so I just know when enough is enough. But yeah. how do you repeat it and train it? I've asked some other large commercial snow guys this question. And they say, well, it doesn't matter that much because your bulk ice melt is so much cheaper mm-hmm. that still, you know, you're doing good. Yeah. And so you still don't want to waste and you don't want to over apply because it really damages the grass and the concrete and everything else. So yeah, it's definitely hard. And one thing I will say is our shop's kind of centrally located and so we have accounts that are a little bit further out. And the problem is, is like if they go out to that far one, they got to come back and fill up with salt or if they used it up already. So that does take some time. That's the one thing you got to keep in consideration is uh, your route density and everything too. So yeah, that's my concern. We do a uh, hospital injection city and it's about 40 minutes from my shop and i can fit enough in a one-ton truck for that entire route as long mm-hmm. as you don't overuse with a big bulk salt it would be super easy to run a little short you missed one drive entrance and you got to go all the way back yeah. you know you're losing an hour and a half snow time that's a huge loss especially when it's snowing and if you got traffic it slows you down. It's like, I, I've been in there where you're driving, like, come on, let's go, let's go, you know, but. And so we have to get on the interstate to go to this town and they close down the interstate. Oh. And so there's a back route, but it's a two hour back route. Ouch. And so, yeah, ouch. Yeah. I'm always nervous about, uh, about switching on that route, yeah. but I think I would want a large salt, a really large, like a four yard probably. Mm-hmm. So that way I knew I just had too much. Yeah. We, we run a couple, uh, snow dog, the 2000 pound, the plastic ones. And then we have yep. a couple of stainless. We've actually put sides on them. They hold three ton on there. So then we have a bigger one as well, but it's yep. nice. The bigger ones. I like that. It's so much easier, but. Yeah. Okay. So when you, uh, you're salting, do you guys, do you have your guys, they plow it then they salt it if it's required, of course, on, on that property or do they come back or how do you normally run that? I have a little of both. I have one route that goes East and there's only a handful of properties. And so he's got a small snowy X 225, almost 225 pounds. And, uh, he handles all his own salt. And then on my route, I plow a bunch of apartment complexes. It would be wasteful of my time to stop and ice melt them. Mm-hmm. And so I have my big salter comes through after I've got those done and hits those for me. So I have a little of both to make sure we're efficient. We don't have to hit both ends of our service area with one truck yeah. or send two trucks just for 100 pounds ice melt. So it works to do it that way for me. So we talked a lot about equipment. What would you say some of the advantage of, of somebody that does get into snow plowing? Um, I know you mentioned it could help kind of help you get into some of the maintenance side of things. Yeah. So I've gotten a ton of commercial contracts for maintenance just because they found us during snow removal and then we were so reliable and they were so impressed. They're like, oh man. So the snow removal was a big end for me for commercial maintenance. Mm-hmm. Commercial maintenance can be really hard to get. It really can. And then when we send our invoices, all our invoices in the wintertime say something about get ready for spring and sign up for maintenance contracts and that this and that. So without even trying, we naturally advertise to all our snow customers for that. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how many commercial contracts I've gotten from snow, but it's quite a few. Yeah. And I've had people that dropped us on maintenance 
and then hired us back up again because they're disappointed in how unreliable other people were for snow removal. And then they pick us back up on again. Yeah. Around here, we've got a lot of people like to have just all around contractor can do everything. There's no cleanup and everything like that. And it's definitely helped us. Yep. Um, what do you think is like the most important thing for, uh, like we talked about earlier, somebody getting started, some of the things to kind of get out there to uh, get contracts, how, how would they go about doing that? So one thing I think would be, you, you know, you got to advertise so social media, the similar avenues where you normally advertise. But then during a snowstorm, if you answer your phone and say, I'll come and do it, you know, when you're first starting, your list shouldn't be that full anyways. And so if you come and do it and then you, you just start picking them up and then they're going to tell their friends. So that word of mouth thing is the biggest winner. I actually have somebody ride in my truck with me just to answer the phone so I can respond and then I can issue out my other crews wherever they're going just so we can capture those new clients. That first snowstorm is the key. That's when people are like, oh, shoot, I don't have snow removal lined up and there's three inches of snow in my parking lot. What do I do? First person that answers the phone, price doesn't matter. Whoever can get here and do it first, they're getting it. And then you just be reliable from that point on and you'll maintain it. And so I've got some that I'm like, man, I've already worked 20 hours. Sure, I'll do it for 500 bucks. And they're still my client five years later at the price that I quoted them right off the fly that was probably too high. But I was there. I was reliable. Now they know they can depend on me and boom, I've got a great snow contract. Yeah, no, we always have the issue. We send our snowplow contracts out and they don't sign them. We call them. Yeah, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. And the first snow comes and then they're freaking out like, oh, crap. And they call us and same thing. First one, get out there. It's always it's always a little struggle at the beginning of the season. Yeah. And I would say uh, get on social media. When I first started, Craigslist was the place. It sounds crazy that you pick up great contracts on Craigslist, but I think the market's a little different now. So I'd say local buy, sell, trade pages, you know, the night before a storm, just throw up a few ads um, here and there and just say, hey, we got some slots open in our snow removal. Get on Marketplace, throw it up there. And um, those are places where people will be searching right off the bat. Yeah, and that's for more of the residential or you find commercial both? Either or. You know, a business is desperate and they're looking, you know, a lot of times it's the the store manager of a franchise or a chain and the general manager's looking on Facebook. Yeah, That's where a lot of it comes from. Do you think it'd be easier for somebody getting started to kind of start off with residential or have a mixture of both? I jumped in really fast. My first year, I only had one commercial contract, but I didn't start until late November. And then maybe, you know, a couple dozen residentials. And then the next year, I got a property management company that gave me a whole bunch of residential and then I just, I worked all year and scored some commercials. So kind of depends on your capabilities. For me, I, I wouldn't want a plow truck doing uh, residential driveways. It's not a great use, mm-hmm. but right off the first year, you maybe need to. Mm-hmm. Residential snow is super easy and it's fast money. We do a residential driveway in five to seven minutes with a two-man crew and get 40 to $45. And so you could do five or six or seven in an hour if you have good route density. And some of my residential routes, we do just as good with snowblowers, little $700 Toro snowblowers making $250 an hour. So residential snow is often overlooked. And I uh, I would definitely go after it. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing because it's turned into maintenance contracts all the time. Yeah. I know at least around our area, we get a lot of people that are always looking for subs too, especially the bigger companies. They always need people to drive. And, you know, if you have your own equipment, you can go sub out for them. I don't know if that's in your area too, but we do have a lot here. Um, For me, I don't like using subs. You know, I got my name on it. 
subs have not always been reliable for me. Um, so I just make sure that I have the capability. And so personally, I don't use subcontractors. I've just always been able to do it without. So I don't have a lot of knowledge there. I, yeah. guess. <laughs> I know in our area though, that like there's some big national companies that come in and then they'll sub out to somebody just to assault or, you know, push with their skidster or whatever too. And then we also have some big companies that come in and they have 20 skidsters sitting out there in a big parking lot and plow a whole strip and stuff. But subs are kind of a bigger area in our area. We, we only subbed out a couple of people and it's usually using our equipment. Um, we've subbed out a couple other uh, payloaders for the bigger parking lots. It's kind of worked out for us, but we've dealt with these people for years and worked with them for years. So we kind of know them. So I do have a couple concrete contractors that are on speed dial. Mm -hmm. So I know if my truck breaks down, I can call this guy. He's going to want to make some solid money for it. So I'm, it's going to cut into my margins a lot, but um, I do have subcontractors as a backup plan. So, so kind of on to like, the contracts and, you know, getting paid and everything and, you know, what to charge. What's your thoughts on that? So me personally, I never charge hourly. Uh, when I first started, um, I thought hourly was great. You know, I could, I was at $125 an hour when I first started and I was like, that's sweet. And I thought that was good money. But as my equipment got better and I'm still making 125 an hour, and so I'm like, well, I got to charge 200 an hour to be where I want to be. And then people are like, oh, you're crazy. $200 an hour. I'm like, but I'm fast. And so mm -hmm. it's still going to be cheaper than a guy at 125 an hour because I just have way better equipment. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I price per push for everything um, whenever possible. And on top of that, I, I run super hard. And so I know I'm putting extra wear and tear on my truck, but per push, I can get into $600 an hour. Where if you told somebody $600 an hour, they would tell you goodbye. <laughs> yeah. And so the way I price things out, I hop on Google Maps, I measure the parking lot, I calculate how much ice melt it needs. And I know I just need to charge more to plow it than it would cost to ice melt it. And that calculation always pretty much works solid for me. Mm -hmm. I get around 6,000 square foot out of a uh, 50 pounds ice melt. And I charge a minimum of $75 to spread to pull in and even do an ice melt treatment. And that buys you the three bags of ice melt. Three bags of ice melts takes two, three minutes probably. And then on something that was 18,000 square feet, I could probably plow that in 15 minutes. And then I'd be at a hundred bucks, 125 bucks for it. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of how, that's how I've always priced it as I measure it. Square footage, how much ice melt, charge more for the plowing than the ice melt. So it takes longer, more wear and tear. On your per push prices, do you have one to three inches, three to six inches, or is that just a flat fee? I usually kind of let the client see what they want. On a larger property, I always do a scale. Mm -hmm. If it's a six acre parking lot and it has a foot of snow versus six inches of snow, it's going to take a lot longer. Mm -hmm. But if it's a 15,000 square foot parking lot, it's not going to make a huge time difference for me if it's a bunch of snow or not. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I do a scaling and sometimes they don't. Depends on the parking lot. Depends on the client. That's how I do it. Some clients don't like to see a scaling price and some clients do. So Now I know on salt, you do it per bag. Do you charge per bag or do you charge, you, you know, it's going to take roughly five bags for this parking lot? How do you normally do that? So I put on all my plow sheets how much they should put down. Mm -hmm. And I still only charge what I estimated and we only put down what I estimated. If they need a second hit, it's going to be the same price as the first, you know, we're going to add another event to it for a second ice melt treatment. We're going to put it down the same amount again. 
Do you have different clauses in there too? If it is like a winter storm or a blizzard or anything like that? I know in ours we do. But. So I, I just leave all mine as per push and some clients want you to maintain. And then every time I push it, I charge them the per push fee or if they want me to wait till it's done and then we'll push it. And so um, I haven't really had a storm that lasted that long in the last couple of years. So it really hasn't been an issue. But, you know, sometimes it'll snow and stop and we plow everything and then it starts snowing again. So in two days, we plow everything twice and I charge everything twice. I always make money that way. Do you let your guys know, too, like you want it to be done? Like, obviously, a hospital is a little bit different situation, but most of your places don't open till seven, eight, nine o'clock. Do you tell your guys try to get it done by seven o'clock, eight o'clock, something like that? Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> and I always tell my clients that that's not an option. I don't know when it's going to start snowing. I don't know when it's going to stop snowing. And if you can tell me that, then I'll tell you when I can be there. <laughs> I have my guys work through the route in order as efficiently as possible. Um, we do adjust our route according to the day. And so if it's Sunday morning, I'm hitting my churches first. Mm -hmm. I'm still within reason. I'm not going to hop around super bad, but sometimes, you know, so we'll start on churches Sunday morning or Saturday night to make sure churches are done. If it's Monday morning, churches go to the back of the list and my Monday morning businesses, my IHOPs and restaurants. So we kind of just Depending on the day and time, we adjust the list just accordingly to try to make everybody happy, but still work through it efficiently. Gotcha. One thing I'll, I'll say, we do a lot of hotels. There's a lot of hotels in our area. And uh, to me, those can be kind of a pain in the butt because it will go in there, open them up, and then you have to kind of wait till everybody leaves. And it's usually like 12, 1 o'clock, then you got to go back. So it's always kind of a pain for us to have to go back just to clear up those parking spots. So I add an extra charge for that if they want mm -hmm. me to do a return cleanup visit. Yeah. Um, we can do that, but, you know, it'll probably be a minimum plow fee. So we can come for yeah. $75 and come clean up the parking lot after everybody's left. Yeah, we do that too. Something to keep in mind for everybody just kind of getting started. You may have to go back. There may be a requirement to go back and, and clean up things. And, and with snow, you always should be making money. So don't let people boss you around. Be like, yep, we can come back. I'm not going to charge you the full rate this time, but it's going to be a minimum plow fee. And if it's only a couple minutes, sometimes I won't charge it. Just, mm -hmm. you know, I also want my parking lots to be the best parking lots in town. Mm -hmm. So on my important stuff, I do just kind of do a spin through after I'm all done just to make sure everything looks good. But mm -hmm. if you're going to go back and they intentionally want you to come clean out stalls and stuff like that, yeah. put it in there, extra fee. Mm -hmm. So so when you have your guys go out and plow, do you kind of assign them? They have a certain route they're going to do, start here and finish up here and then go help out? Or how do you normally route your, your crews? Yeah, so each plow truck, they have their own route. And then they've got a secondary route, which is somebody else's plow route. So if they get done early, start on the back of this list. Mm -hmm. And then I've got commercial snow crews, and they're usually like walkers with plows or mini skid steers with plows for like larger HOAs. Um, they work through their lists, and then they have the blower crew list. So if they're done early, they'll go help the blower crews. My blower crew list is one monster list. It's like 125 properties, and there's three crews. One crew starts on the top, one crew starts on the bottom, and one crew starts in the middle. And each property is numbered. And so I can check in and say, what number are you at? What number are you at? And they can just tell me I'm on 120 and working up. And when they're done, they know to start on the back end of one of the other three crews lists. And so I kind of have a backup for everybody just in case one crew has a snowblower go down and they're not going to be as fast. The next crew is going to help catch up. And then nobody quits till everybody's done, except for the salt guy. Salt guy always works last, but nobody quits till the whole list is done. 
And that keeps everybody's morale up. If they're tired and hurting, they know that everybody else is still working until everybody is done. And so the plow truck guys, if we get done, we start on the blower list and go help the blower guys. So everybody helps everybody. And the end of the storm, we we all go eat breakfast or lunch or dinner. Then I buy everybody dinner or breakfast. And then I usually go back out and work a few more hours just (laughs) because I'm addicted. But everybody's morale is done after you're 12 or 14 hours in it. And everybody knows that everybody's working together and everybody's going to help somebody else when we get to the end. Mm -hmm. And so that helps keep that momentum going and the morale going. And then the guys make it a race because they're like, oh, I did 120 to 160 and you only did 30 and I did 50 and Mm -hmm. put a little competition in it and keep some morale up too. I like that. I like that. Now, uh, as far as your crews, your sidewalk crews and everybody, how do you let them know? How do you get them prepared to go out? And what are your requirements as far as, you know, if they don't call or you call them and they don't answer, what, what do you do for that? You, you only get one freebie. If you don't show up, then you get pulled off my list. You get one freebie. And after that one, that's it. I'm not going to call you anymore. Uh, I get snow bonuses. Everybody gets more money per hour. Usually if we have a good snow winter, everybody that made it through the snow winter, I'll give them a jacket or a hat or something like that. Um, Then I also ask my guys if they're going to leave town in the winter and we know there's some snow coming, let me know. So I make a backup plan. Mm -hmm. I've got enough employees and then enough people with friends that I'm able to feel plenty of staff every time. So I'm in charge of all the plow trucks. And so I make sure all my plow truck guys know to come. I've got one guy in charge of the commercial crew and he lets everybody on the commercial crew know to come. I have one guy in front charge of the blower crew and he makes sure all the blower crew guys come. Mm-hmm. And then we usually do a text stream. And if we see there's going to be a gap or a hole somewhere, ask all your friends, post it on Facebook mm-hmm. and we can usually find enough people. Do you let your guys know like 24 hours in advance and then you give them an hour or so before they have to show up? Yeah, we do a reminder the night before, hey, snow's coming, make sure everybody knows. You know, usually a day in advance. And we're usually here a day in advance working in the shop, making sure everything's pristine and nothing's going to go bad. Get the plows on, make sure there's no hitches. It's stressful enough, so I don't want to be stressed on getting things loaded when we're waiting. Mm -hmm. It's definitely tough to know when to call people. (laughs) I had last year and I jumped the gun and I had my guys sitting here for five hours in the shop before the storm was done. I thought it was going to be done, but it wasn't. Uh, we hung out at the shop. We watched the movies. We got pizza in. Everybody was kind of just hanging out. And I was like, sorry, I didn't mean to do this. So <laughs> and then sometimes if I do that, I should have sent them home in their trucks and then said, you know, all right, now you need to go. But it was hard to know. Yeah. You don't know when it's going to start. You don't know when it's going to stop. Yeah. So. I know some of the like big events we've had, some of the like bigger snowstorms, we've actually kept guys and we've actually put them up overnight in hotels and stuff in our area. Just there's no point in sending them home when they go home or go there, sleep for a few hours and then go back out. You know, it's kind of worked out. My guys that live more than 15 or 20 minutes away, they're sleeping on somebody's couch usually the night before. Mm -hmm. There's usually somebody on my couch or my supervisors. They got a house that a bunch of guys hang out at and there's a bunch of guys just sleeping on the couch the night before just so we're all ready. Nice. What are some of the like key numbers that somebody should consider, you know, when they're just getting started too? So they know how much to charge or how many pushes or whatever. So every market's going to be different. In the Midwest and below where we're only getting five, six, seven storms a year, um, we're going to be a lot higher in demand and we get to charge a little bit more. 
I think. Um, if you go up north where they're getting 15, 20, 30 snowstorms in a year, you're going to be at a different price point than my market. So I'd say in the Midwest, when you're only plowing four or five storms a year, you need to charge a lot more because mm-hmm. like, so my truck's a $50,000 truck with a $7,000 plow and a $5,000 shelter on it. And I only plow five times in a winter. I need to justify that. And so mm-hmm. a minimum price in the Midwest would be 125 bucks an hour, I think. And uh, when you're starting out, you can be there. What I did is as I got more efficient equipment, when I started, I was shooting for 125 an hour. And then as my equipment got better, I cut my times in half. I still charge that same per push where I was shooting for 125. And now I get it done in 15, 20 minutes. And so that's where I would shoot for a snowplow. Mm -hmm. Salting, don't even shoot for an hourly price. I really like to base it on the amount of salt. And I just, I sell it as an ice melt package. You're getting 200 pounds of ice melt for um, $100. Mm-hmm. And it includes the ice melt, includes the labor. Keep the hourly rate out because 200 pounds of ice melt only takes five minutes. Mm-hmm. But uh, know that you're destroying your truck. <laughs> the preventive maintenance, uh, preventive maintenance, preventive maintenance, but you're still destroying your truck. Forward and reverse, forward and reverse is terrible in trannies, terrible in transfer cases. You eat tires, uh, you eat brakes, and you need to charge for it. So, mm-hmm. um, Say another thing to consider too is your insurance. Especially if you start getting commercial, you're gonna have to change your your insurance policy to cover more possible damage, I guess. And with insurance, I would say be careful. Some people are gonna ask for some ridiculous stuff from your insurance company, and I would refuse. Um, I turn down snow contracts that want me to guarantee more than I can guarantee. So I would be careful with insurance requests, and a good insurance agent will make sure they're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. So I've given up on some commercial contracts that wanted me liable a hundred percent. And I'm like, it's ice. I can melt it, but uh, you know, somebody could trip on a crack in the curb and still want to sue me for it. Even if I had the parking lot, perfect. Snow's great, but it's not worth putting your risk in your business for it. We've been hit by the lawsuits a couple different times. We actually, one lady, I'm pretty sure it was five or six years in a row. She kept trying to sue for the same incident. Supposedly she kept getting denied by the insurance, but it's it's definitely a risk you have to be willing to take, I guess. So yeah, there is a risk. Real quick, back to some of those numbers, I would say to possibly reach out if you're kind of getting started, you're not sure how many snow events you have, kind of talk to some of the people in your area that do the snow plowing and see, see, you know, how many pushes they're doing and kind of just get an idea and things. So you have an idea like here last year, I know in our area, we did, uh, you know, it was 19 snow events we had last year. Wow. And that was actually down. That's down quite a bit. So just have an idea of how many events you have in your area. And, you know, most guys around you will be willing to help, you know, and talk to you. So don't be afraid to reach out to them. And you don't necessarily have to get in the prices if you don't want to, but find out how many pushes they're doing and kind of learn, you know, how much salt you're going to take and reach out to Derek. He can kind of give you an idea as far as how many pounds of salt will go out in the parking lot and like that. So don't be afraid to do that. Yeah. And if you make a connection with some of those guys, they would potentially subcontract to you. Mm -hmm. A lot of guys that have been doing it for a long time, have all the contracts they want Mm -hmm. and they would either sub stuff to you or just refer people to you. So that's a good place to go. But using the weather, what they say isn't going to be accurate to be plowable events or treatable events. So the weather service isn't going to be an accurate place. You need to go to a snow removal company. Yeah, and one thing too, like we found just to kind of protect us, because all we do is commercial stuff. And we've had, you know, where the management firm is down in Texas and we're in Indiana, they have no idea what goes on. And, you know, they start questioning, well, you're supposed to start at two inches. Well, it's two inches. We do have some weather programs that we kind of track of each snow and we take a screenshot of it or an area at Crown Point. 
received four inches of snow. That way we have a screenshot. They received four inches of snow. That way the people down in Texas, they say, ah, oh, you, you know, went out too early. Well, here's how much snow we received according to the service, this website. So keep, keep that in mind. <laughs> yep. I have a ruler in my truck and I take yeah. it out and check and then do yeah. a timestamp on it and take a picture. And I keep tracking that. Also, because you work 30 hours straight, you don't remember how many inches you had. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so you know what to charge. We had a, a couple HOAs that were, they were pretty particular. It had to be two inches. And it like, they were pushing it. You know, like, a couple of times it'd been like two and a quarter. Well, why'd you come out? Well, it's two and a quarter, two and a half or whatever. Having the ruler is a good thing to have. So, yeah. They, so they want us, they want to know how many inches were there on their property sometimes. And that can be super annoying because 20 feet that way could be two and a quarter and 20 feet that way could be inch and a quarter. Yeah. And so I go find me a spot that says two and a quarter <laughs> and take a picture and say, you know, if you can catch the house with the address in the background, mm-hmm. you know, makes it easy. Uh, that's a good point. Cause the wind will blow that stuff from here over to here and it'll be two feet in the back and two inches in the front. It can definitely change. So. Um, let me, I'll pull up one of my contracts. I can't remember my wording, but I have something in there that says something about drifting snow. Mm-hmm. Drifting snow may necessitate additional plowing regardless of total snowfall amount. Mm-hmm. And so boom, I had six inches in front of every garage on an HOA in a two inch storm. I was like, well, you know, should that be at the six inch rate or the two inch rate? Yeah. I'm in it for the money. And so we did do six inches on half of it and two inches on this side. And so I just charged them a split rate. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, with snow, you got to make money. Yeah, absolutely. It's hard. It's brutal. You got to pay everybody more. It's almost like an emergency type service. You know, they need it open because they don't want to get sued by anything. So it's one of those things that it's high demand. You know, you could be called out holidays or whatever, you know, downtime. You don't really have any downtime as an owner of snow plowing, especially if you're active in it. Yeah. The snow removal is my baby. I'm hoping next year, maybe I can pass it off to uh, one of my, my up and coming managers so I can get some winter vacations. All right, Derek. Well, is there anything you want to add? Uh, One thing for me, it's all about culture with my employees. Mm -hmm. I get them hyped up about snow and like, we're the baddest snow company in town and we're going to work really hard, but we're all going to work together. And like, I build a culture around our snow removal that gets everybody pumped up and there's kind of a, a little bit of, you know, only the storm will survive and a little smack talking goes on. And mm-hmm. if you quit in the middle of one snowstorm, you no longer work for me just because I can't have anybody. You got to go to the whole storm. And so we build up a culture. We have fun with it. I take really good care of my guys for snow removal. Everybody gets a couple extra bucks an hour. Um, there's beer in the shop afterwards. I buy them breakfast every storm. Um, we had a really stellar snow year a couple of years ago. And so I took everybody on a weekend trip, got a big Airbnb, like a big reward for everybody. So share the success with your employees. You know, that's really the key to once you start getting a bigger snow crew is you got to keep that morale up and mm-hmm. uh, you got to keep your crews together. If, if they're working slow and dragging butt, you're not really going to do that great. But if you get them rolling, you can really make some great money doing snow removal. We've had pretty good luck with it and everybody kind of gets hyped up when they get going out there. I don't know, but the coldness or whatever, but everybody keeps pushing through until you get about 12 to 15 hours and everybody starts to kind of go down a little bit, but it's, that's kind of natural. Yeah. And, and when you're first starting out, I think the longest storm I've ever worked was I think 38 hours and it was brutal and inhuman. <laughs> but at the time it was just amazing money for me. And I was able to go out and buy a brand new snowplow because of my efforts 
yards that one day and my next storm didn't take me nearly as long because i had a lot better plow and when you first start out you really you know it's not abnormal to be doing two crews worth of work with one crew Mm -hmm. so you can afford the equipment for splitting it into two crews next yeah i wouldn't advise debt on snow removal equipment in 2019 we had eight or nine snowstorms in 2020 had zero and so if i had taken a hundred thousand dollars in debt for snow equipment i would have damaged the rest of my company Mm -hmm. Um, and it would have been bad so you try to be cash only if it's a truck that you can use all year round debt's not as bad but buying a bunch of stuff that's only snow um, i wouldn't advise it so yeah i agree with that that's a great point we always try to buy equipment that we can use year round. Obviously the snow plow and salt spreaders, those have this place, but yeah, we usually try to buy, if it's going to be a truck, it's something I can use in the summertime for landscaping, in the wintertime for snow, whatever it is. Yeah. We did buy the uh, vent track. That was the only thing that we did purchase. It does have the mower on there, but we use it more for snow plow than we do for mowing and stuff. But that was a little bit of a reach, I guess. Yeah. I put plows on my walkers mm-hmm. and those things work great. Yeah. Um, so that the walkers were kind of a little more expensive mower, but it really justified mm-hmm. being able to plow snow with them also. Yeah. So nice. All right, Derek. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to meet, join us today and definitely enjoyed talking snow plow with you. And we'll uh, have to do this again sometime. Absolutely. I actually like to try to get you guys on a, a Facebook live with you and my dad and get a couple of guys on there and we'll do a little Facebook live for all this. But Yeah, absolutely. Fingers crossed we get a little bit of snow this year. That's that's what I'm hoping for. We actually had a little bit yesterday, not much, nothing to stick, but it was starting to snow, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, that's I, good. I, did, I did ice on my first ice melt treatment yesterday morning, so. Nice. I'd rather be landscaping right now, so yeah. it's not what I wanted, but we'll take it. <laughs> All right, Derek. Well, thank you again and appreciate it. And we'll talk to you soon. Yep. Thank you. Bye. Hey, everyone. Just want to thank you again for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we do ask you for one quick favor. Could you please head over to iTunes and leave us a review? A five-star review is even better, but it helps us get our rankings up and help us spread our message. 